0: Hey everybody, it's Alex from Forever Classic Games, and this episode is really, really cool because we have Gamester81, John Lester, with us, and he's been around the retro game community for quite some time, and we talk about one of his new game releases in partnership with his company, Collector Vision, so you can check out Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mayan on Switch or Steam, and eventually their plan is to bring that title to the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, but there's a whole lot of games, a whole lot of retro homebrew that you can find on their website, so do check out collectivision.com. And I do hope that everybody enjoys this episode. We've got a lot of really cool things for Forever Classic for January. A lot of it's going to be recorded in January, so I'm not sure how much you guys are going to get to listen to this month, but we have that. We have three or four major interviews, guest appearances, whatever you want to call them, and those will be really cool across the gaming spectrum. So we've got some like retro inspired stuff, some new stuff. I'm really excited about it. Other than that, we do have a special announcement to make soon that i am just psyched for and that'll hopefully help us push forever classic upwards and outwards so if you haven't already do check out forever classic games.com collectivision.com and please if you did enjoy this episode share it with a friend and without further ado here is our conversation with john lester also known as gamester 81 to the Forever Classic podcast the show that seeks enlightenment through films games and other geek culture i'm alex mccumbers and today is one for the history books my friends We've got one of the longer-running retro creators on YouTube with us. We have Gamester81, John Lester. Hey Alex, what's up, man? How's it
1: going? Thanks for having me.
0: Dude, it is going. It has been pretty interesting because I, I kind of went through a nostalgia trip watching your old videos, and I realized that I was watching them in, like, middle school, maybe early high school. And for context, I'm, like, 28, so I've been watching your stuff for the past, like, 10 years or more.
1: Well, that makes me feel old. Thank you. No, it's good. No, awesome. <laughs> it does me, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate the long, uh, long time support.
0: Yeah, it's been really cool because, like, a lot of things. I came into the retro gaming space not really realizing the scope that it went to. Like, I was always a Nintendo kid. I started on the NES, so anything prior to that I'm kind of shaky on. But, like, all the different cool hardware and stuff you've covered over the years and just generally putting out content has been super educational for me, personally. That's
1: great. That's why I do it. Thank you.
0: So, I guess we'll start there. Tell me your history. Why'd you get into retro gaming and making those videos?
1: Yeah, so I started my YouTube channel, I think, back in 2008, like 2009, so it's been... Been a while. So I basically I got my camera uh, from when I got married back in 2009 and had all these hardware, these consoles and wanted to find more information about these systems, kind of more unique, like the Bandai Apple Pippin and, and N64 disk drive. And there really wasn't information on those consoles at the time, really much online. No videos about it. We'll start watching AVGN. You know, I'm a video game nerd, love to show. And started, now that I had a camera, for as a wedding gift my parents gave me, I'm like, I might as well just do some videos and talk about the hardware and do my own research and talk about it. And that's kind of how I got started.
0: A lot of people that I've talked to over the years have cited AVGN as, like, their first spark of inspiration. For sure,
1: yeah. He's same, same one of me. the best. He is great.
0: He's still putting out good videos, too. Like, they kind of have that cheesy flair they've always had, but I still really enjoy them.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: So what is, like, one of your favorite things that you've learned through YouTube as far as, like... Maybe some research or some life lesson or something.
1: You know, I've met some incredible people. I've made some really good friends in the community. I never thought when I started doing this that I would get my foot in the door to uh, making my own games, which is cool, uh, and making my own gaming event. I mean, it's all open huge doors for me. So I met some really cool friends. I mean, it's, it's a really tight community. You know, we're all here just for the fun of games, and it's cool to talk to people all over the world that have the same interests as I do.
0: It is a small world, because I've gone to a lot of different shows and met a lot of people in the retro space, especially ones that are, like, connected to Metal Jesus. Just about everybody in his circle I've met at least once, and that's cool. And a lot of them have actually... Actually, like, been in the same book that I was in because I, I collaborated, contributed rather to the Snes Omnibus books, volumes one and two, by Brett Weiss, and so that was really cool. Are you in that?
1: I am in that. Yeah, absolutely. Ah,
0: yeah, that's neat. I've been thinking about packing them around and get them signed, but the last time I had a heavy book in my backpack, I wanted to hurt myself.
1: They are heavy. Yeah, and there's two of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, really well done.
0: I like them. I think they're really cool. And so in the first volume, my favorite thing that I did was that essay at the back that talks about emulation and how we should stop demonizing it.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if it weren't for emulation, we wouldn't have the minis.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't think I would be into the things I'm into because I learned so much about the libraries. Yeah, that's true. So what do you think about emulation then? Is it something that like you enjoy playing around with? I mean, it seems like you're pretty positive on it.
1: Yeah, I'm positive on it. I. You know, I come up a unique perspective because I, I come from it from both ways, right? So as a game developer myself, we've had our games pirated. Uh, and that oh, can be course. extremely frustrating, right? So you mm-hmm. put all this time and money into it, and then these games get pirated, and it's all for naught in so many cases. So I, I certainly see it from that perspective. But you know, I feel like for games that have been out for a while, 10-plus years that aren't really selling, they're not on the market anymore, uh, it gives people an opportunity to play games that, A, they wouldn't be able to afford and maybe B, maybe games that have been translated, they wouldn't be able to play normally. You know, so people have done some really cool fan translations. So I am positive on it. I think it's, I mean, emulation has some of my videos. I'm, I've talked about the N2, which is a, is a new kind of mini board that's kind of like a Raspberry Pi, but on steroids. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So, you know, I'm positive on it overall. I just, I wish people would be more, when it comes to modern games particularly, I wish people were more sensitive to that. And look, if you want to download a game, that's great. And if you enjoy it, go buy it and support it. Yeah, that's my point.
0: That's always been my thing. Like, if especially in the indie space, right? If we have a game that we really like. I, it's, I really try to harp on the idea of like, no, share that with people, make a video about it, like do an article on it. That way people at least know it's out there. And you never know, one person could read it and share it to, you know, a billion followers or something. And there you go. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. No, but, you know, I think people. any more people can play my game and, and, and advertise it. That's great. But if you're just going to, you know, and, and it might take two in some ways. The people who do pirate the game are probably people who are going to buy the game in the first place. Uh, so mm, there's that yeah. too, right? But uh, it, it does get frustrating. I can certainly see both sides of the coin.
0: Now, how do you actually get into game design? Because I, I see that Vision itself has like this really extensive history.
1: Yeah, so the company itself was founded in 2008. How I got started was back in 2013. I wanted to come up with, uh, I was doing, long story short, I was doing a series of videos called Retro with Joe, who was a neighbor of mine at the time. And he has a video game store on online that he has an enormous collection of games, right? I mean, it's like Indiana Jones... You go into his house, he has crates and crates of games. I mean, it's unbelievable. One series of games that we did, a video that we did was talk about homebrew games. And at the end of that video, he's like, John, we should do like your own game. And he's like, if you were to do a system, what would you do? And I kind of start thinking think about it. I'm like, NES is an awesome system, but there's a lot of homebrew games for it, right? So kind of thinking of like some old school consoles. And one of the, my first consoles I ever grew up, again, I'm dating myself because I'm an old guy, uh, is the ColecoVision, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It came out in 1982 uh, or 83. And it was just, it's a great console, great arcade ports. So I'm like, i would really be cool to have a game. And I was kind of joking around with them. Like, it'd be fun to have a game called Game One, the video game for the ColecoVision. And I was just kind of joking around. And sure enough, Joe runs with that idea. And Goes on to uh, you know the Atari uh, age forums and starts looking at you know people who can help and the the idea kind of sparked into fruition eventually and got teamed up with the guys at Vision Games who helped produce that game. We did like an IndieGoGo and it was successful and so I got to know those guys pretty well and at the end of the day they invited me to say you want to jump on board become kind of co-owner of the company and I did and that was back in 2013. So I've been with them for six years and we kind of to that point we're doing a lot of Vision games and maybe a handful of like Atari 2600 games but since then we've expanded. To NES. We just released a Sega Master System game. Do a Super Nintendo. As well as our most recent one, Sydney Hunter and the Crystal Mayan, which just came out for modern platforms.
0: Now, on the modern platforms, you guys are currently on Steam and Switch for the latest Sydney Hunter release. Uh, is there any plans to be on PS4 and Xbox?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So we're actually nice. working on that. Uh, we're gonna wait till beginning of next year because right now it's just crazy with the with the game market because all the you know AAA titles are out right now, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to compete with Luigi's Mansion and you know games like that when they're coming out. So we are going to wait until kind of that dust settles and probably come out sometime February next year.
0: I think the big month. Month to avoid for next year's march i wouldn't release anywhere near final fantasy personally <laughs> i mean with you guys it's different but i personally wouldn't for anything even kind of major
1: right yeah it's, it's hard because you know it's there's good games coming out all the time i mean like even oh, with, when
0: we released our game there
1: was the new uh zelda remake that came out two weeks after so there was that and then even other indie games we were competing with blasphemous and uh the untitled goose game games don't really expect to do great and they do phenomenally well which is good for them but it kind of buries us too you know so so it's, well, yeah. You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, you know, so.
0: <laughs> now, I'm always interested in how people kind of approach the Switch from a development perspective. Is that something that you guys found fairly simple once you made the Switch to Unity?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, well, we've been working on the game since 2014, mm-hmm. uh, and initially it was uh, supposed to be a Wii U game, <laughs> which is funny. We have a Wii U dev kit, and actually we're going to probably still release on the Wii U. Kind of on the deathbed I mean, why not? U, yeah. which is, why not? You know, we already invested in it. And it'd be cool to have, like, I think it'd be really cool to have, like, a physical on the Wii U and be, like, <laughs> the swan <laughs> song of the Wii U, like, be the last game to re-release on the system. It'd be kind of cool. So, anyway, uh, it was supposed to be a Wii U game initially, and then, then we, obviously, the Switch came out, and the Wii is pretty much done. Yeah, Unity's great. I mean, you can do a lot of things, cool things with Unity. Getting approved for the Switch was a challenge because they're very selective, which is a good thing for Nintendo. But uh, super happy to be on it, for sure.
0: Very cool. Now, uh, in some of the interviews and uh, blog posts where you've talked about Sydney and the Curse of the Mayan, one of the things that come up very briefly is the idea of a sequel.
1: Yeah, you know, it's obviously you want to focus on, on this one first, just make sure it gets its legs off the ground, right? And it's doing okay. Sydney Hunter, to us, is kind of like our Mario to Nintendo, yeah. right? So we have other games featuring Sydney Hunter, and so a lot of people get kind of confused, like, "Oh, I played that for the NES, or I played it for Super Nintendo, or the Intellivision." And that may be the case, but it's the same character, but different game, right? So technically, mm-hmm. we do kind of have a sequel already out. It's uh, it typically it would be called "Caverns of Death: Sydney uh, Hunter the Caverns of Death." That's already available on Super Nintendo, um, and right, we're also yeah. porting to the NES. But what we'd love to do eventually is to do like a remake of kind of a remastered version of this game and do it kind of hand drawn graphics and sprites, Ooh. Uh, almost like a cuphead. Uh, we've, got, we've got great artists. It just would take some time. We would basically just overlay hand drawn artwork over the existing sprites and artwork. So it would take some time to do that. I mean, there's over 600 screens in the game, so it's, it's no small task to do that. But we definitely wanna get the legs off the ground for this one first and promote this really well. And then maybe down the road, we'll do like a remastered version.
0: I think something in the in the vein of, like, the Wonder Boy remakes would be killer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. it yeah, would be really sure. neat.
0: So, when, one of the things that really kind of surprised me about Sydney Hunter, and I picked it up, I think, about a month or two ago and have been playing it on and off, Great, and thank you. one of the things that I, I noticed was, it's really, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye, because initially I thought, oh, it's a platformer, I'll just kind of breeze through it, but it's more of, like, an NES Castlevania where you have to really stop and consider the entire screen before making your decisions. How does that gameplay element kind of come into the idea of sitting down and charting all this out
1: yeah you know it's interesting the game started off as a, i don't know if you've played the game montezuma's revenge uh for the uh, television and just click Vision. it's a classic game that game for us we love that game and we wanted to do a a clone so to speak for the nes so this project actually started off back in the day as a sydney hunter and the mine May- mine's revenge is what it was called initially for the nes hmm. and it's supposed to be a montezuma's revenge Clone right so but it evolved and we kept adding ideas some things stuck and some didn't and it kind of evolved we made the mistake of most game companies would come up with the idea first and the story first and then start programming it we made the mistake of programming it and then come up with a story you know it kind of evolved over time and uh yeah
0: and you guys are only a team of like less than ten yeah
1: yeah there's like five of us really core of us working on this game there's been a handful that we've you know contracted out that's helped out with some of the graphics and stuff but for the most part it's myself and then Russ is the programmer Ben who's and Russ is in upstate New York in our like he's in Roger chester uh, we got Ben who's in Arkansas and then we've got Toby and, and jF who are in, in uh, Montreal so really just got five core of us kind of working on this game so it's it's been a fun uh, journey so, the way I look at it is the first chapter is done as far as completing the game. Now it's on to chapter two, and that's just to release. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: really kind of spread it out. And what amazed me about checking out some of your guys' stuff online is that you have that little mini console that you've worked on too.
1: Yeah, the Phoenix. Kind of t- taking that name for two reasons because I live in Phoenix, but also kind of a plan where because the Phoenix is the, you know, bird, ancient bird that rises from the ashes, right? So, yeah. this is, you know, kind of a harpoons of that, right? So, this is uh it's a FPGA coleco vision uh console so we'll play all ColecoVision cards and then it has a sd card a slot where you can load in roms for atari 2600 uh, we're also working on an adapter to play 2600 games as well through the ColecoVision. so it's been in process for two years but it's out it was challenging to to get that out because a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth from the coleco chameleon as you can imagine
0: oh god a lot of people were upset about that one
1: right but now that we have a you know obviously a released product people have it in their hands it's out there uh we just started shipping the the first batch b- about a week and a half ago two weeks ago the early access people got theirs back in august so it's been out for a while so people who who have it enjoy it but uh, it's Damn. very limited yeah it's you know we have one guy toby's literally putting these things by hand together you know so it's you can imagine the the undertaking that takes <laughs> to ship them out and, and build them together
0: i think there's something appealing about that quality wise too if everything's hand built there's probably a low chance of anything being faulty
1: <laughs> yeah that's true it's true So I'm happy the way it turned out
0: that's awesome now you guys doing anything specifically as like an exclusive or something for it
1: well yeah what's cool is uh it's got an ability not only to play 2600 games but it's got can play uh f8 games f18 games rather. and so what that is it actually uh ups the graphic capability of the clico vision and the color palette so it looks more online to like an nes game so we've got uh we've got some games that we're going to be releasing exclusively on the phoenix that are going to look just like nes quality or better
0: now you mentioned that the that the phoenix has got that like mythological background and then of course there's all the Mayan culture in Sydney Hunter. Tell me about your interest in mythology, because it seems like there's definitely a lot of it there.
1: Well, for sure. You know, I've always been fascinated with, with just not only just mayan culture but the egyptian too but you know working on sydney hunter we did a lot of research on just the maya background whether it's the gods that you fight in the game or actually mayan gods right so let's see uh i'm trying to think of some of the names uh, like uh, i just op- bought
0: shiba lanka and i'm familiar with a lot of these oh, yeah. now shiba because Lanque, of the yeah. game smite so he, and he's a he's a the jaguar cow. god
1: right so uh, yeah a cab is like the god of bees and honey right so you have to fight so the whole premise of the story is you're you're sydney hunter you get trapped in a mayan pyramid as you're exploring and you come to find out there's like the mayan calendar gets destroyed by uh, kind of evil evil deity called uh, Kukulkin. And he takes these, breaks up the calendar. So it's your, your goal in the game is to collect, kind of go throughout and fight these Maya gods and, and collect these pieces and kind of put together a Maya calendar. But what's interesting is the game was taking place during the time of, of Wayham, which is actually the Mayans, not to get in too much, not to bore you with the story here, but the, the Maya were really smart. They figured out that there's 365 days a year in a calendar, right? But they had like, I think it was like 20, 20 day months, but there was five days that were not accounted for in a calendar. Right. They're right, they yeah. consider this time of Wahhab. Uh, and so they believe that Wahhab, these five days of the year, that like basically gods would go smite them and they were like powerless against these gods. So they're really fearful. And that is the time when Sydney actually appears in this game, is during the time of wayhab, So there's some t- there's parts of the game that are very to the Maya, you know, mythology, so to speak. A lot of the graphics you see, the artwork are actually Mayan artwork and stones that you see that we researched on and we just pixelated. So you know, we try to stay as true as we could to the actual Maya culture.
0: And there's a great blog post that you guys wrote up on uh, Gama Sutra that really has some of that detail work. And the side by sides are really cool. I know I saw a couple of people that are like, wow, I mean, that that actually gives me more interest as it being a kind of a culture piece for Mayan culture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, where would the idea of Sydney Hunter come from?
1: So, Sydney was created by a guy named Keith Erickson back in. 2011 i think uh and it was actually it was if you go online it's actually a flash game and it was caverns of death which is what we ported to the Super Nintendo. so we reached mm-hmm. out to Keith, great guy great graphic artist and uh he joined us and we just love the character i think there's a lot of things you could do with him uh in the first game you can use the the boomerang in curse of mine you start off with the whip you eventually get the boomerang and you get the the spear so if you're at the you just defeated the jaguar Chibolanke, you just defeated him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was stuck on him for the longest time. I just got the spear and I beat that first face boss.
1: Okay, okay, right on. So you're on. Yeah, your, your next boss is going to be. Uh, will be, I believe it's going to be the the bee god.
0: Yeah, Muzinkov. Muzinkov, yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the the games that really kind of made Curse of the Mind because you have elements of Mega Man, elements of Castlevania. That bomb special effect comes straight out of Super Mario Two.
1: Right. Yeah. So what's funny about that is in Mario Two, Super Mario Two, it says boom, but we change, or it says bomb, we change it to say boom. (laughs) We tend to slightly, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's definitely, it's a love letter for games that we grew up playing, right? So you mentioned a few of them, Uh, Mega Man, obviously Castlevania series, big influence, Uh, Mario 2 later on, even... Parts of the levels are like you get the, the sand, the quicksand, like in Mario 2. Uh, some of enemies, the way they act are from Mario 2, for example. There's that, I don't know if you noticed, the fall, when you fight that that gate god, you fall. That's That that waterfall effect is actually from Zelda 2, when Link falls. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of Easter eggs in the game, a ton of Easter eggs. So we wanted to, you know, some of the feedback we're hearing, which is great, and kind of what we were shooting for, is people who were playing it feel like it's, it's familiar, but it's unique. Right. So it's not like a direct ripoff of like these games, it's more of a, a love letter. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, of course. You know, and a tip of the hat, you know, we, we appreciate these games. So a lot of the, the mechanics are from taken from the games we grew up playing. Even like later on, I don't know if you noticed playing the Jaguar God, if you noticed some of the, the scenes were from DuckTales, like with the oh, Amazon yeah. stage, you know, some of that. So
0: DuckTales is really influential. There's a lot of people into that. So one of the things that I talked to, I ran into the folks that did Shovel Knight back at PAX West in September, and I always kind of find it fascinating that their character shows up in a lot of different places. Would you guys ever consider doing like a crossover with Sydney, like putting him in some other title?
1: I'd be quite. I would love to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've we've done that with. Um, oh no, we haven't put him in any other games, uh, but we'd love to do that. There is a hidden character, Yuki, Munit Yuki. I don't know if you know this game or not, mm-hmm. uh, but she is a good friend of ours. Uh, she it's a game that came out for it came out for TurboGrafx-16, the CD, and it came out for Genesis, and she's a great character, but she's actually oh, hidden cool. inside our game. Like, you, you can find her in our game, Curse the Mayan. She's really hard to get to, but she'll give you a special item and stuff if you if you find her. Uh, and on that screen has our initials, too. So we've kind of done that before, where we've put other characters in our games, but yeah, we'd, love, we'd be open to putting Cindy somewhere else for sure.
0: There we go. Yeah, it's cool, because the Shovel Knight guys are like, yeah, we get requests about once every other week or so, and I always tell them, like, sure. <laughs> and that's why Shovel Knight's in some many things because people ask and they're like, yeah, why not?
1: Yeah, those those guys are, are, are really really cool. Um, when our game came out, I talked to them for a while, and we just talked about just the marketing. And I mean, they're super supportive. And I, I appreciate those guys are awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see what Ya Club do, does next, and you know what you guys are doing next. So I guess that does leave the question of aside from marketing, what other projects are kind of in the pipeline, or any that you can talk about, of course.
1: Well, sure. So we have uh, some some games coming out for the Phoenix that are going right. to be kind of exclusive. I can't really mention any titles at this point, but they're titles that people have played before. They're, being, they're going to be really cool, kind of remastered, so to speak. They'll be available in the Phoenix. Uh, we've got a game coming out for the NES. It's already done. It's called Dead Tomb. It's a point-and-click kind of Egyptian-themed game. So it plays great. I mean, it, it, the game itself, like if you knew you where you're going and you knew all the moves, you could beat the game in less than 10 minutes. However, right. it's, it's a point and click. So you have to go find, it's a puzzle. There's actually no enemies in the game, which is odd, right? It's the way you die are from booby traps and things like that, right? Not making the right move. Um, yeah. It's kind of a unique game. So that's going to be in the, that's in the pipeline to get released very soon as well uh, we're gonna port up caverns of death eventually to uh to genesis which is in the works and then we've got a new kind of a it's called uh we're we calling a tiny night for a while it's, the title's kind of do, to be determined it's a 16-bit graphic game it's gonna come out for modern platforms and and of course uh justice beaver which is we've been working on for forever <laughs> for and that's going to be coming out uh this next year for the superintendent
0: very cool a lot of things going on for just Five or six guys.
1: A lot of, a lot of things. Yeah. So, you know, we have we contract out programmers, so it's not like the same programmer works on all these projects. So we we work with different teams on these games. But yeah, it's uh-huh. a lot going on for sure.
0: Very cool. Now, have you guys considered doing the the whole like SNES Mouse thing? Because there's one other NES homebrew and I can't think of the name of it, it's like Escape something, where he actually modded in uh, SNES mouse support on the n- regular Nintendo. Huh,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we, have, we haven't thought about that. That's interesting, though. It's cool. Yeah,
0: I, that's something that was like really taken off in the homebrew, and maybe that guy's got some thoughts for you. I don't know, but it would be pretty neat.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting, because you know, we've got a lot of experience releasing games on homebrew, but really, rele- as, I, as I mentioned in my blog on Commas Game of Sutra, it's, like, uh, it's much different marketing game for modern platforms. Much, oh, much yeah, difficult. for sure. <laughs> for us anyway
0: there's a whole nother wrinkle to that and it's like everybody's got a theory on how to do games marketing but i don't think any of it's 100 percent accurate that's right yeah <laughs> you never know what's going to flashband kick off or what's exactly. going to sustain it's just it. Yeah. you never yeah. can tell yeah for sure for sure agreed so you guys run a big gaming expo tell me how that kind of got or was put together and yeah so that's one is other like...
1: other project and that's kind of separate from collector Vision. but uh yeah. so that's our game on expo. It started in 2015. I uh, was here in Phoenix. I have been going to gaming conventions for years. Portland Retro Gaming Expo is an awesome ev- event in Portland, for example, and been to Magfest out in in Maryland, for example, right? So kind of got, started seeing. I went to uh, Midwest Gaming Classic, which is a great event in Wisconsin, and Milwaukee, and and saw that there was really nothing here in Phoenix like that. Mm-hmm. Um so I started kinda of talking around and my good friend Jason Heine and I were just kind you know, talking back and forth. And we're like, Well, you know, it'd be cool to do one. We never really got to the point of doing it. But I got back from 2014. I went to the Midwest Gaming Classic and I got back from that event. I'm like, this is a really cool event. I'd really love to do it here in Phoenix. And I just basically, uh, you know, dove into it and took the risk, <laughs> you know, and, and and with no experience on how to run an event at all. I mean, my only previous experience, I guess, would be like organizing a bachelor party, <laughs> you know, like for right, yeah. a good friend of mine, right? <laughs> so so zero zero experience, how to organize an event. And, you know, got really lucky and just fortunately with my YouTube channel, obviously knowing people, got some guests out, Got to market through the channel. Got to market through people I know locally. Started in Mesa, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. We moved to downtown Phoenix this past three years ago. Uh, and it's grown. We had over 10,000 people last year, uh, wow. which is amazing. And we've had uh, met some cool guests. Like we had the voice of Mario came out last year. Uh, we had the voice of Tim Kitzrow, who's the voice of the NBA Jam announcer from the game. NBA oh, that Jam. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's on fire you know that guy
0: he'll do voice recordings for you on fiverr i think
1: yeah well yeah nice (laughs) so no got to meet some really cool and like through the process uh daniel piscina who who was uh, original mortal kombat he was daniel Pacina he was uh scorpion he was uh johnny cage got to know I, i consider the guy a good friend of mine which is crazy growing up as a kid i never would imagine playing mortal kombat and like get to know these guys personally it's pretty wild kind of blows my mind you know so yeah but uh, it's, yeah, the event's grown. It's been a lot of fun. It's kind of like it's modern and retro. So we have esports, we have uh, retro gaming, we have tabletop, cosplay, all the above.
0: Very, very cool. So what's your favorite kind of community reaction, whether that be through YouTube, through the event, or through the Sydney development?
1: You know, they're all different. I think they all have their pros, right? Um, and they all have their challenges, right? I mean, uh, nothing comes easy in life. <laughs> you know, and I've learned that in this process. So whether it's, you know, my everyday, my work job, my, my family, my my career, or with YouTube, or the event, or collective you have to work at it and you're going to get some, you know, you're going to have some people who, you know, they get some butt- punches in the gut, so to speak. Right. And yeah, of course. everything's going to come your way. But what I've kind of learned over the years is you got to keep your head down and kind of focus on your ultimate goal or where you want to go, and, and things end up working out in the end.
0: Very cool. And I just had a random thought because I'm that type of person. Are you guys considering a physical release of Sydney Hunter?
1: I would love to. As far as the new one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. No, great question. I get that. If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me that, I'd be I'd be a really rich man. And yeah, I don't blame people. It's you know, it's a it's great, great question. I love to. It's it takes a lot to produce something physical, right? So you of know, course. we're looking at mm-hmm. a minimum of five thousand copies. Time Times, even if at you know costs us ten dollars a piece, it's you know we're looking at uh, you know fifty thousand dollar investment, which is not chump change so that's just some some rough numbers just to give you an idea so it, we'd love to we have to prove that the game does well digitally first before mm-hmm. we can approach short answer before we can approach other companies like limited run or, or whatever because the first thing you're gonna ask is like well how's the game doing because to, in their minds they, they don't want it to release a game they feel won't wouldn't sell physically mm-hmm. i feel like sydney hunter would do really well physically i feel this game retro style i think people who are retro gamers would just eat it up personally
0: it could do really surprisingly i see that a lot where some folks if they're like into a retro indie or something like I know me personally, I never bought Dead Cells because I knew it was good. I knew I'd get around to it eventually. But I also kind of had an inkling that there would be a physical release. So I waited to buy a physical.
1: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I prefer physical too. And I get mm-hmm. it. I get, I get people who want to wait for a physical and, and, and kudos and please wait. But for those who who buy digital, just know that you're supporting the cause and that the ultimate co- the ultimate goal for us is to do a physical.
0: <laughs> so Right on. Yeah. So, what are some of your favorite games that you've played here recently?
1: Oh man, I, I just bought uh, Ultimate Alliance Three for the Switch. Been playing that for uh, with my it boys. Been fun. That game's really really hard. I've been playing. What else? Oh, I bought like on on Steam. I got this F one Racing game, two thousand nineteen, and I, I got into like. I haven't really been big into f1 racing to be honest but i got netflix as a show f1 racing documentary which is kind of intriguing and i watched it and i got like binge watched it and it's kind of fascinating so i bought oh, okay. this game and it's uh it's really cool like you go into your career and you can like not only just race and it looks stunning graphically but you also like it, you interview like the media and like based on your response it changes the whole outcome of like how people perceive you if you're like a team player or not so it's actually a really cool kind of a a spin on a twist on racing games which is kind of cool i've been playing blasphemous which is a lot of fun too it's a great uh, Uh, i've
0: been meaning to pick that up
1: Mm -hmm. it's a fun uh you know 16-bit kind of side scroller really cool i mean there's, there's like finishing moves you can do and and all that graphically it looks amazing
0: yeah it's really stunning super bleak but like hauntingly beautiful that one
1: it is very dark indeed
0: that's how i feel about death stranding currently it's, like, gorgeous, but ooh, it's sad. <laughs> and then you were playing that F1 racer, too. That's, that's interesting. I never did get into many, like, sports simulation games, but I can see the appeal.
1: Yeah, you know, like I said, I've never really been into F1 racing. My, my father-in-law's huge into it. But I oh, watched okay. Netflix. There was a documentary on Netflix on F1 racing, and, you know, there's more to it than just the racing itself. There's a whole, like, following each athlete and, you know, the behind-the-scenes and the stories behind each one and the drama with each team, you know? So there's only 20 drivers, so it's a very small kind of tight-knit community for racing so it's not like uh, nascar we get a ton of different drivers there's only 20 of them
0: i tell you what i'll watch just about any kind of documentary i love learning new stuff
1: yeah right yeah yeah, definitely recommend it
0: uh, i watched one the other day about league of legends and i don't like league at all but i like recognize how important it is and they just had that huge tournament over the weekend too which got bajillions of people and this really cool like opening ceremony show so yeah it's it's wild but that was a really neat documentary
1: where'd you uh watch that
0: you can find the opening ceremony on YouTube, and I recommend it because they do some really cool, like, hologram dance stuff that is just wild. I've never seen anything like it.
1: Wow. That's cool. Right on.
0: Cool. So I guess the last kind of question is, uh, are you going to keep rocking it with the YouTube thing? Like, what's going on there?
1: Yeah, I am. You know, it's – it's. Oh. I, I don't want to say it's taking a backseat to other things because it certainly hasn't, but in some ways it has, <laughs> to be honest, because I've been so well, busy. you can only you know? have
0: so many eggs in so many baskets, right?
1: <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. So, no, I absolutely uh, plan on continuing doing videos. I don't post them as frequently as i was as I'd like to, to be honest. But no, I definitely uh, still enjoy doing it. It's a great community. I, I still enjoy interacting with the YouTube community, and it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I'll continue to do it until it's not fun anymore. <laughs>
0: right on. I mean, the thing is, too, is you've covered so many things that it's kind of hard to find something you haven't touched on.
1: That's true. Yeah, there's only so many consoles I have, right? So <laughs> <it's> right. Like, <laughs> You know, yeah, that is
0: true. That's What's true. the weirdest thing in your collection as um, far as, like, hardware or games or anything?
1: You know, I think, uh, you know, the Pippin is obviously comes up to mind. Uh, I have, man, there's there's a lot. There's a Taiwanese system I have that's, like, um, the Funtech A-Can. I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's a 16-bit. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like a Super Nintendo clone. It's a 16-bit. kind of came out there mid 90s very huh. obscure and only a handful of games came out for it but i have that um there's just some random consoles that people never heard of you know <laughs> the That's gizmondo which, the gizmondo which is a handheld uh i don't know if you've heard of that before or not i have out. actually
0: i know that one <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah i think it came out early 2000s it actually had augmented reality which is pretty cool you know wow. way before even was a thing but the guy who founded that ended up going to jail was part of the mafia anyway just uh it was a
0: mess yeah but... there's, there's a more interesting history than the actual system itself <laughs> yeah that's true. Right around the time of the Game Boy Advance, I've got the the GameCom, the Game.com, like PDA thing. That's a weird little system.
1: Do you have the model one or two? The big one or the smaller one?
0: I Think it's the bigger one, but I couldn't tell you. I I saw it at a game shop locally, and they had Resident Evil two, and I'm like, I like Resident Evil, and I like weird shit. I'll buy that.
1: <laughs> the games on that they're like Mortal Kombat. I mean, the games on that they had pretty good titles. I'm surprised,
0: you know. They have like Mortal yeah.
1: Kombat. What other ones? Yeah, but.
0: They're not great ports, but they got some big names.
1: <laughs> yeah, not great ports at all. And it was all touchscreen, right? And a lot of shadowing. I remember, if I recall, a lot of the games had like, shadowing. Yeah. Interesting.
0: It's weird. I like that kind of stuff, though. <laughs>
1: it's cool, for sure.
0: Well, all right, John. I really appreciate your time today. Is there anything you kind of want to leave our listeners with?
1: Well, no, I, I just, no, Alex, I, I truly appreciate you having me on. I'm sorry it's been uh, a little while to get a hold of me, but uh, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, oh, no worries. But. Yeah, you know, I would just encourage people to go on to you know Gamester eighty one if you want to find my channel. Uh, you can just Google it, Collector Vision Games, as well as Game on Expo. That's kind of what we talked
0: about today. Very cool. And if you guys haven't checked out Sydney Hunter, definitely do check it out. Once I get this episode kind of produced, I will eventually do a review on it. I kind of want to like get a lot further into it that way I have like a good ground to actually make an argument.
1: Yeah, right on. Yeah, it's been getting great, solid, really solid reviews. I was reading a review the other day and it kind of I laughed because the guy gave us an eight out of ten, which is solid. I'm super happy with that. Eight out of ten is very solid. But yeah. he said it, he compared it with Dark Souls hard. I'm like, oh, Dark Souls is like one of the hardest games I've played ever. And Sydney Hunter is like retro hard, but it's by all means not Dark Souls hard. Like that game is no, hard.
0: I'd put it more into a category of like an old school Castlevania.
1: Yeah, that's more realistic. But yeah, when you started quoting that, I'm like, really? It's that hard? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I've literally played it hundreds of times, but you can literally yeah. go if you if here's a tip for you if you can just make sure you break all the blocks in the game, right? yeah. Uh You can actually beat the game without any backtracking at all. We, we made it so like you can get the, collect- the skulls there's enough skulls there's you know it's kind of linear to the point where like you get the right amount of skulls you get the right amount of items you should be able to start to finish without going backwards at all.
0: Yeah so far I haven't had to re-enter a level except for like there's one path where uh, I just played it where you can like drop one side on the bomb and the other side of the bomb and either way you get a skull and I'm like okay I gotta go back to that. <laughs> That's like the only time I've went back.
1: We put like a dozen extra skulls in the game though so like yeah. you need to get 100 skulls to go to the last gate but we actually added extra skulls so you don't I mean it's up to you if you want like complete, if you're a complete your completionist and you want to go back you certainly can do that but there's enough skulls there linearly we can just play and not go back so of course
0: cool stuff well like i said john i'm having a fun time with it and i do appreciate you being on the show
1: no definitely please let me know yeah definitely know, let me know when this is up i'll share it and i'd love to see your review on Sydney Hiner when it comes out thank you
0: excellent and of course, everybody listening to the Forever Classic show, you can send us an email at theforeverclassicpodcast.com, or er, at com. And of course, we're on Twitter. We'll have all of the links in the description below, as usual. Thank you all for listening, and of course, stay cool.